You're listening to CFO Trends, brought to you by Mesh Payments. CFO Trends tackles the critical pains, challenges, and opportunities of today's CFO and finance leaders. Welcome to the podcast. Really excited today to be joined by Christine Lemansky, CFO at Assured Partners Aerospace, as she shares her thoughts on the CFO gender gap, how we can get more women CFOs, and why it's important for allyship, confidence, and making sure you create an inclusive environment to help women thrive. Christine has always been a great advocate, like a great mentor. We've done a lot of work together on the AICPA side and and enabling finance, FP&A, and CFO professionals. Welcome, Christine Lemansky. Thank you, Chris. It is such a pleasure to be here. We've been looking forward to this conversation for a while, so I'm happy to be here. Yeah, I know we've been getting this planned, and what spurred this episode for all the listeners is I got a chance to sit with you last year. Actually, it was this year at the AICP Engage Conference, and it was talking about the allyship, more women in finance, and you led a tremendous panel of finance leaders. I know Jen Rowley, who's a great friend and mentor of mine, and this idea of there needs to be more representation. And I don't think necessarily it's just from a diversity perspective, but also how there needs to be more women involved in the office of the CFO. So my first question that I just want to lead off with is, what do you think are some of those great, like those challenges that women face in cracking the office of the CFO? Absolutely, Chris. That's such a great question because in order to solve the problem, we need to know what the challenges are. And while there are a lot of them, and I think it's not just women in the CFO position, but these challenges are faced by a lot of women in leadership. So I was able to boil them down to a few that I think are really important. Number one is oftentimes, and it's hard to make sweeping generalizations, but oftentimes... As women are hitting that stride where they might start making CFO, they're ready to have children. And at the Mm. same time, they have aging parents that they're caring for. And so many women will step back and they take a longer time off than their male counterparts. And they step out of the workforce or they're not raising their hands for those promotions because they have so much going on in their personal life. And it's not that men don't. It's just that women have a predominantly, that that happens to a lot of women. Along those same lines, again, we if you have children, you get your children out of the house at a certain age, yeah. and you're ready to go, and you're ready to focus on your your career, and menopause hits. And those are very difficult symptoms to deal with sometimes, and different symptoms for different women, but it can be a real challenge uh, along those lines. And some of those symptoms are visible, so it's hard to deal with those in the workplace. So I think those are two really major challenges. A third challenge would be, and it's interesting, I was talking to a lot of my colleagues about this. I think women lack confidence. I think as the qualifications are put out there, again, depending on which study you look at, a job announcement will go out there and men will say, hey, there's 10 qualifications. I got three of them. I'm good. I'm going to go ahead and apply. And women will say, oh, I'm missing that one. I don't qualify. I'm not going to apply. And that's one reason for the confidence issues. I think the other reason for the confidence issues is there's not a lot of women CFOs. And so we wonder why that is and can we do it? We lack the confidence to say, oh, I can do that. There's not very many of us. There's not very many women mentor CFOs out there. So it can be a very difficult step to take just from a self-confidence standpoint. 
Yeah, I love the three things that you talked about. And I think it's so important. You talked about when you get into that stage of breaking that glass ceiling and you're almost there, right? Family, you start to have kids, your parents, and a lot of that family dynamic begins to take on the responsibility of women in that, right? And then you talked about the menopausal portion of it, right? Which is something I definitely want to explore because I think it's men, like when I sat through your AICPA session, that was by far to me one of the most eye-opening aspects that I just was a blind spot. So I definitely want to talk a little bit more about that. And then the third one that you mentioned is the lack of confidence, right? The lack of representation, right? I think me being a minority growing up in finance, right? I, as I grew up in high growth businesses, software companies, the further Christine that I moved up the ladder when I was an individual contributor, then I was a manager, then I was like a director, then I was a, a VP, then I was a fractional CFO, like, the less that I've seen about me. So I can definitely relate to that one. And diving into the first aspect of it, like how can men, how can, I think allyship is so important, right? How do you think others, how do you think others in your first point that you mentioned around, how can men and other people be more supportive of making sure that women have that balance that they want to pursue their careers? but they may have more responsibilities at home or they may take care of their parents. What are some things that people can do in allyship to help support women in that transition that they make? Again, that's a great question, Chris. And allyship has become a really important topic in the work world of late. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the most important things that men can do is one of the things that I admire most about you, ask the question, be interested, want to know, Because again, you can't make sweeping generalizations. One woman is going to need something different than another woman. But one of the most important keys is flexibility, particularly for women who are trained for parents, uh, aging parents and or their children. Mm -hmm. Because when they're pretty flexible and innovative and resilient about getting their job done, if they have the flexibility to make that happen. And there's remote work, there's flexible work schedules, there's, hey, do I really have to get on a plane or can we handle this over a video conference? All of those things, uh, when I was thinking about what can be done, I think interest and flexibility. You can't, again, as we've said earlier, you can't solve the problem unless you know what the cause is. Mm -hmm. Just because someone needs to take time off to go pick up a sick kid from school doesn't mean she can't get her job done. It just means she's going to do it at an odd hour. Yeah, I, I love that. Like when you talk about flexibility, I think that's so important, not just for women as they take on the household and their career and then juggling all these different things, but just overall professionals, right? I've always looked at it. And I think where a lot of people struggle in that flexibility is this idea of have to be able to know what this person is doing, right? And I've had the opportunity to have a work with a lot of women on my team. And I've had a lot of great mentors that are women in the finance profession, right? And your first point about that self-awareness aspect of it, I've always taken the gap of saying, seek first to understand, then be understood, right? And just naturally coming to it. And I think a lot of men, right? You don't know how to navigate that because you don't, it's like that, if I'm being honest, it's a really fine line where you're just like, You're trying to balance it. You don't want to come across that you're not being supported, but you also want to understand, but you don't want to feel attacked. And I think for those men that want to create that allyship and be an advocate, it's just coming in and saying, hey, how can I support you? It seems that you've got this, like, how can we help support you in what you're doing and what you need to take care of? And to me, it always boiled down to three things, right? 
as long as you're delivering high quality work, as long as you're meeting your commitments and you're being a great partner, I don't care where you do that in, how you do it. If you do that in Mexico, if you do it at nighttime, if you do it at daytime, it really doesn't matter. So I think you have to create that environment of being willing to say, hey, I want to be flexible to where you are and know that these things may come in strides and different cycles of you may have the kids start back to school, right? I know summertime's a lot difficult because kids may be at home and the schedule may change. And then you get in the fall where it's like, hey, I have a little bit more flexibility now because my kid's in school all day. They're kid most of the day, but I got to leave at five o'clock because I got to pick them up. I've always looked at my teams and said, hey, you go take care of what you need to take care of. Because at the end of the day, like in finance, right, we're not doing like open heart surgery, right? Like we're not doing right. something critical like that. It's, hey, go take care of what you need to take care of as long as you deliver and, you know, take care of what you need to do and, and have that flexibility in your schedule and your time. And, you know, as long as you're still delivering like that, it shouldn't matter. Absolutely. Chris, that reminds me of a story. This has been a good long time ago. I had a client back when I was an auditor and consultant. And I noticed every morning when I went into the client's office that there was a whole group of this, that client's employees sitting in the downstairs coffee shop. And at about two minutes to eight, they would get on the elevator and go upstairs. And I thought, that's odd. They're here early. What are we doing here? And I finally asked someone who I would trust given the answer. And they said, we're required to pick a schedule here. And does, we don't all have to have the same schedule, but we have to pick a schedule. We have to stick to that. And so if we want to come in 15 minutes early and leave 15 minutes early, we aren't allowed to do that. And like it or not, wow. sometimes your leadership style is, is shaped by what that, okay, that is not the result that you want, right? That leader yeah. is getting a whole different result than what I would want as a leader. And of course, this was when I was quite young. And, but that story left an impression on me. Because those people would sit down there until two minutes before their schedule and then get on the elevator and come five o'clock, don't be standing in the door. You'll get run over. Wow. Yeah, I have always remembered that particular lesson. And in this day and age, women cannot always do that. It just there's too many other things that pull at us. Yeah, yeah. And I I think it it highlights that flexibility aspect of it. I remember growing up and one of my one of the stories I have is like when I was in accounting this is when I left public accounting and I had the opportunity to work with a great controller right she was a woman and I was just leaving public accounting and I had my CPA and I was like I'm ready to jump into corporate accounting at a high growth software company right and one of the things I always admired about her, her name was Melissa one of the things I always admired about her was her stance around work life balance she always said And I remember her talking to me about it. And I was just telling her, I was like, yeah, I've got to travel. I I was living on the west side of town. The business was actually like 30 minutes away. And I remember saying, I was like, look, it's like one of the things we had to have a conversation about was, hey, I know you want me here at nine, but that's it's really hard for me. I stay late. I do my work. And it was really convincing her where it's like, Chris, it's fine. You've got that schedule. I leave at five o'clock because I go pick my son up from school. And I think it what we're both highlighting is that model behavior. And yes. I remember earlier on how she was such an advocate for her work-life balance, even though she's the controller at this high growth software company and we're doing all this fundraising. She always made it a principle yes. for her and the team that I was a part of and just the whole team that was like, look. When there's work, but when there's personal things, when there's family things, that trumps that. We can help fill in the gaps. 
We can help support. We're going to help support you. And I want you to know that's a priority. And I'm living that. It's not just one of those talk things, right? It's she lived that in the, in our team. And I always respected her about that because she never compromised. She's look, when my son has things or my family has things, I'm going to go do those. And that's just what it's going to be. And I'm going to make sure things are good. We're going to make sure we have backup plans. We're going to make sure that there's those things, but I'm going to get those things done. I think what you're talking about and when I seen with that controller I work with is that model behavior. And when you see it in practice and you see it in action, it hits a lot different when it's just like talking about it. Absolutely. You can talk all you want, but people will pay attention to what you do, not what you say. Facts. And another point I want to talk about, which I think is hugely important that you mentioned as well as some of those challenges is that lack of confidence, right? That lack of ability to be able to look at it. Because for me, I'll tell everybody a story. I remember hiring a tremendous, at the time, she was a kind of like junior controller. She was an experienced accounting professional. And I remember the hiring process and I was looking at her skill set and she was the ultimate candidate for the role, right? She was great for the role. And I remember going back to her and having a salary conversation, right? And I remember asking, I was like, hey, we know at the original conversation, you were looking at this kind of salary and the salary that she wanted and that she said, yeah, I, this is what I want. This is what I want to make. It was $30,000 less than what we were offering for the role. So yeah, she came in huge. significantly below what we were prepared to offer for the job, like significantly. Yes. And she's, yep, this is the amount that I want. This will make me happy. And I remember being in this opportunity, Christine, I was like, I can't continue to perpetuate this wage gap with women. She's, she had the skills. She was our top candidate. I know she's going to produce a lot of value. And I remember going back to our senior leader in HR specifically, and I said, hey, this is what she's asking for, but it's significantly lower than what we're offering for the role and her value that I know she's going to bring in the market. So I want to get her to that baseline expect. And the HR person sits across from me. She's like, Chris, what are you talking about? Like we could, And I'm like, no, I know financially we can save money by doing this. But right now for her career and for her value and for the impact that she's going to have for our business, this isn't the right thing that we should do. Yeah, right? that's so important there, Chris. You asked about allyship. You just described allyship. Perfect. Yes. A perfect yeah, and I remember going and I remember going yeah. through that conversation with HR and the senior and like the president of the Americas. They was like, Chris, what like it was like counterintuitive, like, why's the finance guy like saying we should I'm like, it doesn't matter financially what we need to do. This is the right thing we need to do the for right her. Thing to do. This Absolutely. is the right this is the right ethical thing for right. making sure that we stand by, like we are one. We have we had company values that we are one, right? We always innovate. We never settle. We support each other. I'm like, 100%. if we're going to live and breathe these company values, if I'm going to live and breathe that as a leader, we need to make this decision. It's the right thing to do. And I remember Correct. Christine like coming with her and super excited about it. And I gave her the offer. And before we got to the compensation, I said, hey, we weren't able to get you exactly what you wanted. We were able to get you more. And I remember the look <laughs> on her face. And I said, here's what we're prepared to offer you. And also, I've heard through the conversation that getting your CPA is going to be something important to you. So I went to bat for you to say, after we look at performance and how things go, we're going to be willing to invest in you getting your CPA designation. Nice. Christine, the look on her face. Uh, she was 
she was like, Chris, I, what this is, I don't know what to say like this. And I was like, this is the right, this is our commitment to you. And as a leader, this is what the value you're going to bring to our team. Right. And that moment for her in her career has spiked. She's a controller now. She's leading a global business. She has blossomed. Right. And I share that because talking back to the confidence side, (laughs) we have the ability to be able to instill that confidence. I think women traditionally are not the best negotiators, right? A lot of times, like men, we come into the conversation and we're like, what's the best price? And we're more willing (laughs) to negotiate, right? And I think that confidence side comes to, we got to be able to make the right decisions that's best for the person, not best always for the business, right? Right. We got to make sure we're making that. So thinking about the confidence and lack of confidence in that, like, what would be some advice? I know I just shared a story about that to the listeners can go do, but what are some other practical strategies or tactics that others can do to help instill that confidence during and moving up in, in the finance organization? Absolutely. I think there's a lot of things that we can do to instill confidence for ourselves. And one of the things that I tell my team is we'll say, I don't know how to do that. Amend that self-talk. I don't know how to do that yet. I am perfectly Mm -hmm. capable of learning how to do this. I will never find out unless I try it. And I cannot remember this study, so apologies for not knowing the exact (laughs) study, but there was a study where many women were put in a room and asked to solve certain puzzles and that sort of things. And the initial results of that study would indicate that women aren't good at solving puzzles. Digging in, that actually wasn't the problem at all. Women are very good about it. They're great at solving puzzles. But the situation was, if they thought they couldn't do it, they wouldn't even try. So one of the best things you can do for your self-confidence is try. Failure happens. It's an excellent teacher. Yes. If you try things, if you take a risk, you might fall on your face. I promise two things. You will learn from that. Either you will pick yourself up or somebody will be there to help you pick up. And you will learn from that and move on. And next time, I promise you're going to do it right if you're diligent about learning why you sell. So I do think it's really important. The best way to build confidence is to reach out of your comfort zone and do something different. Raise your hand and volunteer for the project. No, you maybe you know how to do it and you're just not giving yourself that credit. Maybe you don't know how to do it, but you will money into the project, I promise. It is so important to take that risk. Put yourself out yeah. there. It's hard. I'm not saying it's easy. But if you want to build confidence, if you want to grow your career, try new things. There's nothing like doing something new really well to build your confidence. Most definitely. And I love your thought process around failure. I have the same thing. I've learned early in my life, and I think a lot of it comes from just amateur boxing when I was fighting. Like, oh, yeah. When I've always looked at failure, and failure is never a negative thing. Failure is only, you only fail if you don't learn. Like, when I look at things that wins and losses, there is no actual losing in failure. There is no, there is only lose in failure if you don't learn. Right. Correct. When you look at failure, there's only two options. You're either going to win or you're going to learn. You only lose yeah. if you don't learn. Right. And I look back over Absolutely. my career and some of the biggest learning opportunities and growth moments and comfort zone expansion moments that I've had is because I failed on my face. Right. 
I made that error or yeah, mistake. It or, and it happens, but you learn from it. And I, I think that's great advice to not only the women listeners, but all the listeners, right? All is listeners, try it. Developing that mindset to say, you know what? I'm either going to win or I'm going to learn. Failure is not, failure is actually the starting point, right? To me, I've right. always looked at it. That's, a, that's where it starts. That's where the learning that's process starts because right. something happened. And yeah, well, look at all great companies. Look at all great leaders. I promise you, they've been on the brink of bankruptcy. They've done some really dumb things. Right, somewhere yeah. along the line that they had to pick themselves up. They have failed. No one is at the top of their game without having failed. I, I right. promise you, there's not an example out there. Yeah, and I love that aspect of it because I think failure being the first starting point, the first step in the right direction, but it all talks about what you just mentioned, right? You got to be willing, the first step. So the action guide for all of those listeners to start building your confidence the step number one in that is you got to have the willingness to try, right? Yeah. Absolutely. You have to yeah. try it. And you have to try it with your whole heart. Get out there and give it a shot. What's the worst that can happen? Yeah, it depends on what you're trying, right? Don't go try something that's going to crush your whole career all at once, right? Give burn, build up to that. Build up to that risk taking. We used to have a saying back in my old audited CEM career ending moves. Don't do that. Yeah, career limiting <laughs> moves. Don't do those. Like Don't those are ones those. that those are ones and, and you know what, Christine, look, let's expand on that because I think I've actually, you know, and this is the very another personal leadership thing that I, I want to share is I've seen, I have seen women and other professionals destroy their career because of mm -hmm. one thing and it's their yeah. ego right yeah, absolutely I had, a, I had a person on my team and it was just like the I could just tell and I it was hard because I really invested in this person I wanted them to succeed I wanted their opportunities like I wanted so much for them and to see this person just sabotage their career right and looking back over it, and i remember that moment this is maybe five or six years ago and i'm like going through it this is a this, this is like a person on my team this is somebody i manage and i see i'm like man the path that you're going down the way that you're going about trying to move your career and force people and it was a very confrontational way of career advancement that this young lady was taking and I want and part and I had a mentor and I this was a difficult time that I was going through. And he said to me, he says, Chris, like the thing you can't control is like when a person is preparing the rope to hang themselves, like you can't stop that, man. Like it's not yeah. your job to like. Yeah. And part of me wanted to just have a real conversation with her and say, look, the way that you're going about this right now, I don't know who's telling you or what's driving it or what you think you're doing but you are you're you're burning bridges you're you're sabotaging your career right now part yeah. of me just wanted to have that not leader to peer but just a person conversation and i think that's one thing is like there's ways to go about to navigate and making sure that you're not making those career limiting moves cuz i've seen it happen with countless professionals right yeah it whether it's ego or whether it's a sense of i deserve this or wherever those places are coming from you severely impact your career. You severely impact your career. You severely impact your network and ability to continue to advance. I think one question I have for you around that preliminary, Christine, you reached the top, like your CFO at Assured Partners Aerospace, right? If you were to go back and look at your career, go way back, right? 
What would be like those one to three tips that you want to give all of those listeners out there to say, hey, these are the three things that got me to where I'm at that I think can help you? Absolutely. I'm happy to share. And I'm so glad you asked that question because someone asked me that very recently. And it is, as a division CFO, it, it is. And plus, I get to work in a really fun field. So it's a lot of fun. Yeah. As you look back on your career, and I came to the party a little bit later from wanting to be a CFO. I was accounting all the way. <laughs> to move and cross that bridge into finance was a little bit different for me. I have a couple of pieces of advice. Um, advice number one, spend your career collecting tools to put in your toolbox. I tell Ooh. a lot of people that this job is the culmination mm. of a whole bunch of other jobs and experiences that I gained along the way. And I might not have known at the time when I raised my hand and volunteered for a specific project, I might not have known what that was going to give me. And even if I failed at that project, it still gave me skills that I needed. So if you have the opportunity or can take the opportunity to step outside your current role, your current comfort zone, collect tools, put those all in your toolbox. Nice. And if you don't need them right away, you will someday. That's a really important thing that everybody needs to do. I love that. Find yourself a mentor. We talked about this a little bit earlier. There's actually not a lot of women in senior finance and accounting leadership positions, but we are here. Find one of us. And most women who have made their way up here understand, believe, and wholeheartedly want to give back and get other women here as well. Find yourself a mentor. If they have the time, if they can spare it, most women will say yes to that. And I think advice number three is build your relationships across all the aisles. Find yourself some male allies. I found you. Thanks. Thanks. And I call you. There are times when we don't talk a lot, but when we do talk, you and I have this relationship that we can honestly bounce things off each other. You mentioned Jen Riley earlier. One of the things that Jen Riley says is super important to do is find someone who is willing to tell you the unvarnished truth. Yes. You were willing Facts. to do that for me. You will tell me how I am per- being perceived or how I'm looking at things maybe not in the best way, right? You'll do that for me. Find yourself an advocate who will be honest with you. And the flip side of that is you have to be willing to take it. You asked. You have to be willing to understand that person is talking to you out of love and caring and act on it. You don't have to agree with it, but don't immediately push back. People can see things in us that we can't see in ourselves, positive and negative, right? Those are all opportunities to learn and grow. You cannot do that without building relationships. And right, wrong, or indifferent, accountants have the reputation of tearing those relationships down. No. (laughs) Accountant and no seem to be inextricably linked. Undo that perception. Find yourself a relationship. And in several of them, it takes a lot of people to get here. And I certainly, as I was building my way up into this career, I had so many people. I would not be here without the people who supported me then, who support me now, and who I can go to and say, oh my gosh, what am I going to do about this? It's okay to say that. It's okay to say, I need help. 
find those people who will do that for you. Man, that's, Christine, that is probably, I got chills as you were sitting there talking. I was writing this down. I'm just like, man, that is such incredible advice, right? Building the tools in your toolkit, right? And those oh. tools can be both good learnings and bad learnings, right? Oh, tools yeah. aren't always good, right? They like, aren't always good. But you're building, right, that the second point that you mentioned, I can't understate that enough. Like, mentorship is key as i've gone throughout my career as i continue like to have you as a mentor and as a great partner and as a resource to always bounce ideas off of and number three building relationships i think it's so important and that's not just relationships with other women right that's no across the board across the board building relationships with people in finance women in i build relationships with people in all different kind of disciplines right all across the company Absolutely. All across, across the, the company. company, across your peer network, across. Yes. Yeah. And I, my mentor, one of my great mentors, he's a, a, a great friend of mine and he used to be a CEO that I worked for. He always told me, he was like, man, there's always value that you can take from anybody. Right. And I think mentorship not only goes from high level people, but I, I do mentorship. I get advice from people that are younger, right? And Absolutely. That they're just they starting their wonderful career. So experiences. I, yeah, it's not yeah. always about getting mentorship, looking up. It, it's all, it's 360 mentorship, right? Like how can you have yes. somebody fresh in their career, middle of their career, advanced in their career? I Absolutely. think that is tremendous advice for all the listeners. And it's not just for women. I think everybody can take those three practical tips that you mentioned and begin fostering just a great career and a great community of people to help support you in your journey. So it really is so important. And it's also so important to remember that however far you've come, it's your responsibility to give back. It's your responsibility to get somebody else there and to speak up. And my team and I talk about this a lot. And one of my team members was going through a rough time. Like, Growth is always painful. I'm sorry. That's just how it is. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. Like it's not sunshine and then roses. And typically, it the best kind of growth, you, the typical growth you're going to have, it's going to make you feel uncomfortable. It's going to feel weird. Like you're going to feel different now. But my, I think the number one advice that you gave: lean into those moments. That's where Absolutely. you transform. That's where that you grow is where the you most. transform. And it is. And I'm not going to sit here and pretend that's an easy thing to do. It's not right. I do think that a lot of times we don't grow and we don't take that next step because we're terrified of what happens if we do lean into that. And it becomes the rewards and the challenges, if you do that, are so much more than the pain and the whatever else it is, the whole range of emotions that you go through when you're growing either by your own choice or somebody else's choice. It happens. You can't control all the factors. You can control your reaction. And as you look at that, as you go forward, then embrace that. It becomes part of who you are. A lot of people ask me, do you regret something? Are there things you regret? Mm. And I have to say, my philosophy is I don't really believe in regrets. Because what Mm. if I could go back and change that? What if that meant I didn't meet my husband? Or what if that meant I didn't get that job that allowed me to collect that skill to get this job. And really, it's it just is so important to pay attention to all of those things. And yes, things happen. Life is hard sometimes. And that's not just for women. That's everybody. Things happen to us. Good things, bad things, all of those things contribute to who we are and you're learning and growing, right? We graduate and we get married and we have kids and we get divorced. 
someone we love passes away, and all of those things happen to us. And sometimes they're great. Getting married is a lot of fun. Getting married is also right. an enormous challenge. Marriage is a lot of work. It's so worth it, right? A good marriage is worth all that work that goes into it. And I tell yeah. people, when people tell me, I want to be promoted or I want to be CFO, my first question is why? Oh, that's a why. great question. Yeah. You got to have your why. You like, have to what, have your why. What's the motivation? Yeah. And I can tell people, just to expand on that, if that motivation is, oh, I want more money, the, or I want the recognition, yeah. or I want the respect, or I want yeah. the power, or I want the any of that vanity stuff, no, you'll never, dumb. you'll get it and you'll never be fulfilled, right? You will and never you be gotta, fulfilled. The, and I, I love that point because like when I made the transition of leaving, like I've two decades building high growth businesses. And when I yeah. started Fresh FP&A, I had a really great conversation with my sister, right? My sister sat down with me. She gave me, my sister had, my sister's always been like, I have a twin sister for those listeners that don't know. I have a twin sister. Uh, she's like my mom and my sister. She's awesome, <laughs> right? And when I was really at this really crux in the road in my career, because I'm like, man, she says, Chris, she gave me one thing that changed the course of my life. My sister says, Chris, when are you going to stop chasing praise and start chasing purpose? And that was like, and she told me that, and I was like, and it, it still hits me today. I was like, wow, like I was chasing all the wrong, I was chasing the recognition, I was chasing this and doing that. And she's like, Chris, when you start chasing purpose over praise, people over profits, in, uh, impact over income, when you start really aligning yourself towards, that's where you're going to have your highest level of work. So I love your question about. You got to find so that why, good. man, because that's going to drive yes. you in everything. That's going to drive you in everything. This is a demanding industry. Finance and accounting, these are tough industries. Leadership is hard. And I think Definitely. when we're first starting out, we look at the boss and we think, oh, I'm going to get there and life is going to be grand. And then you get here and you, yeah. some days you think, whose idea was this? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, man, this, this, I watched that movie. This what I thought leadership was like. That's a lot different. It's really hard positions to be. And so Definitely. you have to know why you want to do it. And as you said, if your answer is anything other than because I want to serve others in this role, whatever the purpose is, if your answer is title or money or because my friend down the street got a promotion, I should have one too because we went to college together. No, no, none of that is going to make you successful in your role. You have to set all of that aside. It's an ego thing. And sometimes it's hard in this society yeah. in particular. For sure, for sure. Hey, Christine, I love this topic so far. And one last question I have for you is, what's your number one finance trend and why? I absolutely, at the risk of being cliche, I'm going to have to say generative AI and its impact oh, that's on the finance for function. Yep. I'm going to have to say it, and I'm going to date myself here, all right? So I'm old enough that I remember when computerized accounting systems started coming out. Those were massive game changers. When I was in college, right. we did a whole set of books on paper before we were allowed to touch the computer, all right? So that's the kind of technology advancement that has happened in my career. And we, when we saw each other a few weeks ago, right? You were laughing at me because I'm like, really? I tried chat GPT and Chris was like, yeah, we did it together. We did it together. I remember sitting right by you and you were using, you were like, oh my God, Chris, what did I just uncover? And you really, I think that generative AI 
the advances in RPA, all of that technology is going to be a massive game changer for our industry. Because the ticking and tying, you don't necessarily need a really smart industrialist human brain to do that. The computer can tell you if number A matches number B. The computer can tell you if all of these things cleared your bank account. All of a sudden, you're going to have this whole group of people with brains and talent and drive, and you can free them up from all of that tedium and get here. So I think that is going to be one of the hottest trends if it's not already. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Generative AI, I, I ask that to a lot of guests, and I think that's the recurring theme. It's, it, it's it has there. tremendous superpowers, and I think people that can go leverage it and get comfortable with it, because yeah. I, it's not a fad. This is not going away. No, it's it definitely going to be stay. here for the foreseeable future. But I can't, hey, I can't remember who said it, but somebody said the internet was a fad. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this internet thing, this isn't going to oh, go away. Give me my yellow pages. Yeah. Give me my internet. I don't know. <laughs> I don't need this stuff. Yeah, it's definitely not going anywhere. And I, Christine, I really appreciate your insight. It is always an absolute pleasure to sit down with someone and talk with you, learn from you. You're someone I hold in the highest regard and just respect. I am thankful, appreciative, and humble to be an ally to support you. And all the knowledge and wisdom and insights that you just shared for not only just women that are aspiring to be CFOs or finance leaders or wherever they're aspiring to be, but just overall professionals. And Christine, if people want to learn more about you, connect with you, connect, learn more, reach out to you, where can they find you? Where can they learn more about you? Absolutely. They can find me on LinkedIn. So just Google or search me on LinkedIn and send me a note, send me a connector. Fust. I'd love to hear from people and I'd love to hear all about you. That's the best place to find me. Yeah, I would highly recommend all those listeners. Christine is an absolute superstar. You, We must protect Christine at all costs. Go connect <laughs> with her. Go network with her tremendous CFO professional. And I'm thankful to consider you a great friend, a great colleague, and a great mentor. Christine, thank you so much for joining CFO Trends. Chris, thank you so much. I'm back at you. I was definitely blessed the day you walked into my life. And every time I get to work with you, and thank you so much for everything. And thank you for this. This was fun. Thank you. Thank you so much, Christine. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you for listening in. Join us for our next episode. We'll all be talking with Lauren Barr. VP of Finance at Occupier, as we talk about setting a high-performing finance team for startups.